Hello, everybody, and welcome to Narrowgate Podcast. I believe we are now on episode seven. My name is Benjamin Hoover, licensed marriage and family therapist out of Roseville, California. So, this is going to be another deep, meaty thought. Well, hopefully not too meaty. But I am touching on this concept of born again. Uh, So I've titled this, and it's also a writing, uh, it's titled The Born Again Identity. So, uh, yes, get ready to unravel some, uh, some mystery there. So, what I wanted to touch on in terms of, of born again is, is really I kind of wanted to address this mysterious topic or this mysterious thing that, that Jesus talks about. Um, and so for those of you who maybe get turned off by faith, uh, Christianity, Jesus, God, I don't know, um, you know, I, I, I still encourage you to kind of hold on because hopefully you can kind of find some of the treasures in this and the truth. Um, because, uh, I think Jesus is really alluding to, um, this, this really profound experience that leads to greater life and greater connection. Um, I do believe with him. So, uh, so, so hold on, you know, um, I hope that it might shed some light into your own experience. But anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to talk about, uh, obviously this, this, uh, this, this born again I guess, kind of terminology. I was, uh, I was floating in my pool one day, uh, as most revelatory thoughts tend to, tend to come, as flo- floating in the pool. Uh, actually, this was last year. And, and really, you know, born again, just, you know, it was a term, kind of a label that often Christians use. You know, they kind of, they, they designate themselves as these born again Christians. And I just didn't really kind of think anything of it. It really kind of held little significance to me. Uh, and so at the time, I just kind of had this, you know, just very different view of it or didn't even really care about it. Um, but but in this, this moment of floating in the pool, uh, in these revelatory waters, all of a sudden this, this idea of being born again came onto my mind and I began to look at it and I began to see it in a very different light. And I was wondering, I started to think, well, what if, what if this born again label that we're talking about that the Christians often kind of throw out there, what if it is actually misconstrued? Uh, what if we don't entirely understand uh, what Jesus is saying when he's talking about this? What, what if it is, uh, yes, not a title, but an actual state of being, um, but it's also uh, there's a journey in this that's very experiential and emotionally painful yet rewarding. So I became really fascinated by this and, and connected it to my own experience. In fact, I think it actually uh, it actually um, struck me at that moment because I, I had already encounter, began to encounter this journey of feeling stuck and lost, which I'll, I'll go into. Um, but what, what's also kind of neat is that Jesus spoke about uh, these kind of ethereal and enigmatic actualities, these, these kind of spiritual concepts or whatnot, um, but, but he, he spoke about them using natural world referencing uh, terminology. Uh, and, and so if you think about it, like God's presence is really 
imprinted. Uh, his love, the, his his uh, just his beauty is imprinted in everything. And so, um, you know, research that's being done, exploration, discoveries. Uh, there's some unique treasures buried in there. And I think eventually, born again, or what I want to get to, is that becoming going through this process and becoming born again, you actually it actually opens up this perspective, this awareness of seeing that. So anyway, so Jesus is referencing the natural world to talk about this odd, weird, born-again experience, right? So um, so why did, you know, the questions that kind of came to mind is why, why did Jesus speak about accessing authentic life in this way? Or what, what was, you know, what's this path to living connected and fully, right? Because if you think about it, like, we're all trying to get to this place of deep connection. All of us. We all are. Everything you do... Uh, is to feel connected. It really is. Uh, and, and connection actually happens in relationship. But but all of us are. It doesn't matter whether you're overworking yourself or you're smoking or having, you know, I don't know, multiple sexual encounters or, or not. Or, uh, or, or it doesn't have to be, you know, someone lost in the throes of that. But, um, you know, but, but everything we do is really about kind of staying connected and grounded in this life. And so... So I want to I want to maybe demystify this and clarify this a little bit. So so Jesus in in John chapter three has this conversation with Nicodemus, and uh, and Nicodemus is this uh, teacher I think, and uh, and anyway and so um, he says Jesus says this line to Nicodemus that no one can see the kingdom until he's born again. And of course, Nicodemus is like, well, how can someone re-enter, you know, the womb and come out again, right? I don't know if he was being sarcastic or, you know, who knows, probably incredulous over the statement that Jesus makes, right? Because, I mean, Jesus made some really odd statements. I mean, come on, they were kind of like mind-bending, flip everything upside down, uh, which is, I think, really fascinating. And, and so it challenges kind of our perspective and it, it kind of creates this ambiguity, but then it also tends to kind of lead us somewhere. And Jesus is, that's his purpose, but it's to kind of challenge the way we've seen things anyway. So he gives us this, this, this kind of clue in this mysterious statement. He says that no one can see the kingdom until he's born again. So there's three things that stand out to my mind. There's the seeing part, there's the kingdom part, and then there's the born again. And maybe until I mean, there's probably a lot. There's a lot in there, but those are the three things that hit me. All right. So, so when he says seeing, well, what is seeing? I mean, you know, is is it? I mean, can we see it tangibly? Is it an awareness of something? What is that? What, what is he implying here? Well, seeing is beyond what our eyes naturally can behold. Right. Like right now, I'm looking at my desk, or I'm looking at a wall, or I'm looking. You know, just it, it's kind of one dimensional. It doesn't have much meaning. Just the purpose it serves is to hold up my my computer, uh, you know, or the walls to to add some layer of protection, uh, or to create some um, like boundary line or division between myself and another room. But but I think what he's saying in here is that it's beyond just this physical, tangible seeing. That it's maybe even metaphysical, this metaphysical perception. It's not a, a scene as much as it's an awareness and perception. There's actually a deeper understanding of the world, which I think, I believe, comes from the innermost part of the person. So this deep 
part that we all operate from, all of us operate from, whether we're aware of it or connected to it, it's what's moving us. It's what is nudging us towards something or away from something or, or whatnot. And it's, 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 it's visceral, it's instinctual, it's guttural. Um, if you think about it, like you, you don't necessarily move cognitively or, or intellectually. Uh, you actually move very instinctually. Um, and when you actually can kind of uh, engage in that world in self-control and, and, and this beautiful awareness and stuff, I, you move, I think you move really freely and soundly in life. So I think Jesus is really alluding to this, this greater perception, this awareness that it opens up in a greater capacity. So think about, you know, just kind of consider your own life, right? You know, maybe you've kind of seen something from a narrow point of view, based on your upbringing, upbringing, or maybe the certain social circles you, you live in, or certain authors you read, or news channels you listen to, you watch. And then there's this opposing view, this other point, maybe not opposing, opposing, or could be, but this other point of view enters in, and it just kind of almost throws things off the rails, and you have this conflict with it, and it might grow defensive, and, and uh, you know, and heighten your aggressiveness and intensity towards that, towards that foreign view, but, but then maybe you kind of settle back down, and you begin to chew on it, and process it, and, you know, it's something you can't shake, and, and it's just on your mind often, and, and you, uh, and then you begin to kind of maybe integrate it, like, it doesn't, it doesn't wipe out what you, what you've seen, or what, how, what you've perceived, or what you've known, but it, but maybe it becomes a little more integrated. Maybe, maybe it adds a little more fullness. Maybe it kind of takes away some of those weaker points, uh, those, those unfinished, underdeveloped points in your view, and it, and it maybe widens your lens. Let me, let me also clarify it a little bit further. So, so think about like we operate through perception. We, you know, the the, the way we see the world uh, is colored by our own experiences. So. These belief systems that we hold, um, you know, those kind of value systems, whatnot, uh, you know, the, 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 the way we assess, the way we put understanding um, towards ourselves, towards others, towards life, uh, how do those even, how does those even come to form, right? How? how? I mean, think about that. How, how is it that you see the world you way, the way you do? How is it that you think about life the way you do? I mean, it's not, it doesn't just come out of nowhere. Well, actually, the belief system develops from our experiences and the emotional presence felt within these experiences. So, and a lot of it's shaped in our childhood, you know, so when you're going through these encounters with your parents and, you know, and the, maybe there's some wounding or maybe there's, you experience your parents like loving and affectionate and there and whatnot. I mean, that's, that's, that is going to have profound impact on the way you connect with others, uh, with life, the way you connect with yourself, um, way you connect with God, with faith, whatnot. And so, but it, but it's it's always it's always imbued with an emotional presence. Um, that's the reason why we remember things is because of an emotional presence in it. Uh, otherwise, most of the information we take in you know, it, it, it doesn't stick. It, it just, it kind of disintegrates. It's, um, it's vaporous, but, but, you know, I mean, even, even now, as I talk, if you even think about why you have the memory, a memory that you do, it's because it had impact. So we actually learn through experience. We don't learn from just drinking in information. That doesn't happen. It's, it's something strikes us, something moves us 
in our in our being and and we stay with it so pay attention to that if something is sticking out to you and the the deluge of information you're probably dumped on day by day if something is sticking to you or or, or you can't you can't uh, get rid of it like think about that give it give it honor respect that notice it so um, so, so to give kind of an even greater example, so let's just say you've grown up with an absent or critical or abusive father. Well, then you might have this tendency to see men and relate to men very differently. And you particularly maybe even see God through this frame as well of your experiences. And so, so then how does, like say, how does a belief system change? Well, it's, it's really through a different a very different experience that has a uh, has a uh, a profound impact emotionally. It, it's this foreign experience that enters in and interacts with us, and 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 it shifts something. It might be confusing or jarring at first, uh, and 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 throws us off the rails. It kind of derails us a little bit, um, but it's but but it's important because it's 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 shifting. It's confronting. It's conflictual with with how we've seen the world. So that's how our belief system starts to kind of change. So here's here's my struggle is uh, particularly in the Christian culture is that people are trying to like convince others, you know, talk to them cognitively, intellectually, to see something differently. So for instance, that oh well, God is caring and He loves you, and or He's a healer, or, or even telling people and it doesn't have to be in the Christian circle there, but outside of that is oh you're lovable or you're beautiful. Really, actually, I'll be honest with you. Uh, first off, those are it's not that those don't have some truth to them, but they actually can be really shallow. They actually don't hit the core of a person. I think speaking to the innermost part of the person uh, has a greater impact because it's more emotional than just kind of the, the more of those surface encouragements. But anyway, so so we try to kind of convince others to see something differently, but what do you know? It's ineffective. So really the belief system changes when the heart is impacted by encountering a foreign experience that has a greater emotional impact. So back to kind of perception, um, obviously then it's perception, the way we see the world is shaped by our internal world that holds our uh, own personal experiences. And so we see through this dimension and it influences how we interact with life. Um, you know, maybe an example would be if you had kind of the secure upbringing, there's security in life and, and you maybe delight and indulge, you can take greater risk. The, 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 the learn, learning experiences where you kind of hit walls, you know, and it doesn't work out and I'm avoiding saying mistakes because I really wish we could get rid of that word <laughs> like entirely uh, because I don't think they're mistakes. I think they're learning experiences that teach us about our limitedness and, uh, but yet our ability to kind of grow from that and learn. Um, so someone who experiences kind of secure relationships can operate in the world this way versus uh, more hurtful, insecure experiences. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> more insecure experiences growing up, like like something I experienced. I well, I lived in greater insecurity and fear, sometimes leading to maybe obsession or consumption or whatnot. So then, anyway, uh, going to to the kingdom now. So the kingdom then is referenced in this statement, and so what? What the heck is this kingdom he's talking about, and what are we actually becoming aware of? Um, well, the kingdom is really 
simply put, it's just another way of saying God's presence. To a culture that understood th- that kind of terminology, that kind of presence is like king, ruler, dominion, stuff like that, right? Like we wouldn't, like Jesus, if he were here today, he wouldn't talk to us in that way because that's not how we operate. Um, that, uh, so I'm not sure what he would use. I don't even think president, I don't know. But but that that's, that's he, he's trying to communicate that clearly, helping them to understand what the kingdom is. So the kingdom is really just God's presence, being God's presence, being connected to him, to life. Well, he is that life, but... Uh, and so the people that become porn, born again, born again, <laughs> that become born again, uh, they see life authentically and, and truly as it is. This perception changes because their internal world has changed. So when he's talking about like the kingdom of God is within you, that's a really powerful, mysterious statement. But he's talking about this, this, this shift within that, uh, that colors life very differently. And so we begin, and, and this happens because we encounter something very unique and foreign uh, to, to our experiences. So we develop an awareness of what has always been. Like, not new necessarily, but what has always been. That God's presence is imprinted in everything. There's this heightened awareness of how connected we are to Him and creation. And life takes on new shape and meaning. Uh, and we can actually live presently, indulging in the moment. You know that indulgement is a beautiful word and we're meant to indulge. Uh, it's actually connected to present living, enjoying, taking in, just feeling satisfied in the pleasure of, of what you're engaging in in the moment. So it's, it's also this being attuned to the now and it's a deep satisfaction. It's going from this uh, like black and white understanding of the world, of seeing it kind of in that sort of color, that framework, to then this complexity and range and depth and variety of colors. Uh, and so, so then, but there's this caveat to, to accessing this strange paradigm, right? Um, well, Jesus, he says, he says that, that, that the prerequisite to this is to become born again. And so, like, again, what the hell does that mean? Uh, so he's using a natural... Uh, Jesus is using this uh, natural reference here, or referencing the, the natural world to talk about uh, this kind of ethereal experience or reality or state of being. So, well, let's look at that. What happens when someone is born? Well, they become an infant. So they go from this embryonic state to this fetus, and then they grow and they become this infant. Once they, uh, once they leave, uh, leave moms, once they leave the womb there. And so infants are these, they're, gosh, they're, my, my friend's just had a baby and she's just, you know, she's precious and infants are fragile and they're unaware and they're, they're these helpless and powerless creatures, right? I mean, they have no idea that they even exist. They just, they're just there in existence and, 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 and being cared for. They're purely vulnerable. They're, they're this completely exposed and state of true nakedness. Um, they, they, they have no ability to meet their own needs. They're, they're fully dependent on their caregivers. The, 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 their only defense is really their cries, the, the variations in their cries, which are inherently attached to their needs. And, uh, but yeah, they, they don't even know that they exist. 
and they're, they're, they're lost in the hopes that their cries will be soothed by the one that watches over them. And, uh, and so they, they, they don't have any ability to escape or defend themselves. And, and really, I mean, if you're human, which I'm assuming those that are listening to this are human, uh, you've, you've not escaped. No one's escaped this stage of, of being an infant. No one, unless somehow miraculously, uh, in some strange way, you, you came into this world fully formed and fully self-sufficient. Uh, so the reality is that hasn't happened. But then what happens after infancy is then we develop into children. Well, when children are just, they experience the security and love and a, uh, provided by their parents that, that, you know, do good enough. That's, a, a, I think, an object relations or psychodynamic. Those are psychological terminology. Uh, that's kind of a concept of good enough, right? Not perfect and not horrible, but parents that are also stumbling through this, trying to learn how to love and, and, and care for their their young ones there. But when a child, for the most part, is satisfied and secure in a love provided with their parents, what happens? Well, they have total freedom to explore, uh, and really in a bridal, unbridled way. They're fascinated by existence and its mysteries. Uh, they, they encounter life uh, that I think as adults we miss. Because we're living in this insecure place, always trying trying to be connected, but not realizing that we're trying to do this to stay connected, and we're 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 missing life because we're there's always this striving, and uh, and and avoiding avoiding things that we actually need to encounter to 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 heal to to live fully. So, but they're these explorers, and they're filled with awe and wonder, and uh, they're delighting in God's presence imbued in this earth, even if they don't know that it's like God's presence, they're very attuned uh, to him, to life, uh, more than adults who live out of self-protection and injured attempts to stay connected. And and think about like when they feel pain or, or are scared, because that's going to happen in life. Uh, they confidently run to the one who loves them, and they boldly let their needs be known, and they, they innately and vulnerably share all of themselves. Like, nothing's hidden. Nothing's hidden. They're not under judgment or shame or anything that, that we experience as, you know, uh, as we get older and older. And, and so, so think about this, really, God's given us this experience to connect it with Him. Then when there's this security with God, like when we get afraid and we, or we get scared, we feel pain, or we feel anger, or anguish, or whatever, or we feel joy and excitement, that we, we connect with Him in it. We turn towards Him in it and feel this stuff. And, and, and we know because there's, there's just this deep bond and, it, and, and wonderful attachment. And there's not this threat of, I have to, I have to do things right to, to appease Him. So, uh, so it's fascinating that... that Jesus is talking about this born-again experience of entering into this place as an adult of infancy again and, uh, and, and, and becoming almost lost and unaware and, 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 and fully dependent on Him to nourish those needs, trusting Him, like even biologically, but, but emotionally, and to provide those, those deeply interwoven needs like relationships. I mean, that's for me. That's a big one. It's particularly, particularly marriage. Um, you know, like this this trust 
that he'll provide, and I don't mean like in a Disney-ish way. I just mean I've 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 I've, I've taken made many uh, attempts to uh, on my own volition to to try to force relationship to happen, and that did not turn out. So, but it was this beautiful teaching experience of man of of really really run into him with this stuff. And when risk or when the opportunity happens, I'm going to take the risk. But uh, but there's this security with God that he's going to provide. And I, I, Christians say that all the time, and I don't want it to sound trite and, and, and Christianese, um, but when you enter into this place of, of losing, like feeling really lost, like you don't know who you are anymore, you feel restless, you f- feel this existential crisis, you, you're not even sure what the hell you're doing anymore, that's a very important thing to pay attention to and not stifle and not try to meet. And that's, and I'm going to share my story, but that's what I've experienced. So I'm also going to get a little heretical here. Uh, just, you know, I think now that's my bent is to get heretical and to, to stir things up. But, but I also, and I'm not going to break this down because I'm still in the play, in that process of trying to sort through this, but but I also have wondered too. Then what if what if salvation, this salvation experience that we or this formula that we've created for people, is what if it's just a very different experience? Uh, I'm not sure anymore if if it, it you know when someone realizes that God is real and alive and loves them and like, I don't I don't think I don't know about this sinner's prayer man, mantra that we go through and and recognizing that and now you're saved and. I don't. I don't even think that's it. I think the salvation happens really like. Well, go, well, hang on. Let me let me reference like Jesus never walked someone through it, right? He never he never laid out the sinner's prayer or said, "Okay, now." I mean, it was a very relational experience and endeavor. It was this journeying of you know of them starting to see more and more who God who God is that Jesus was revealing that in Himself, and uh, and so. Um, and so, and also, in, in in especially in the Gospels, you see these really unique stories of people entering into the kingdom, into God's presence, being saved, quote unquote, by seeing who God really was. So, what if what if that is salvation? Like now, your eyes have been opened. That's the entryway. Now you you've you you you've seen you've tasted something, there's something that's drawing you, you've become awakened to something, you may not know entirely what it is yet, but you've become awakened to it, it's very powerful, salvation is really just this reconciliation back to him, but but it's, but it is this journey and this endeavor, so I really believe that it becomes, it's this awareness of God and existence, uh, like authentic existence and his love and presence, so anyway, I'll leave on those thoughts before, you know, um, as I now dip into my own personal journey. So, so uh, in grad school, when I was when I was going through grad school for life for, to become a marriage and family therapist, there was one of my final classes, and this was this was years ago. This is two thousand fourteen, I think. Um, one of my professors, who I, I really really loved his teachings, uh, his 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 just. He was wonderful. Anyway, but I I was really impacted by something he said about the Beatitudes. You know, I hadn't looked in depth at it, and um, I thought it was just kind of this random, you know, I don't know, random display of 
like a list basically of, of what it looks like for someone to, to, I don't know, exist in the world and, and, and be saved and walk in the kingdom. But, but he said, he pointed out that it was actually a linear progression of becoming transformed. And I was just blown away by that. And, and, and I, and I ended up like these last few years, I've clung to this as my creed uh, in, in the midst of my intense struggle of trying to find myself and wandering, and um, and and it really m- helped make my struggle meaningful. So the Beatitudes, and I'm not going to break them down, but they're, they're really this, I see it as this blueprint on becoming both our true selves, which is who we always were, not, not this newly developed self, but who we always were, um, and, and truly connected to God in life. And so it's this fascinating layout of loss and grief and mourning and then wandering and, and then it, and this emptying process and then it leads to being filled and transformed where, you know, he says that you, now you, you're rich in mercy and then peace and, uh, and, and, and it's this, and you want to share that with others, which is really neat. So it's not an intellectual, you know, let me, let me convince myself to, you know, that God loves me and, you know, I need to be at peace. And no, it's actually really, it's not a forced process. It's, uh, it's purely experiential and it's existential. And what I mean by that is that it's this deep, guttural, instinctual moving towards something, something other than the way we've operated in life and then wrestling with existence. Like, why, why am I alive? Why, what, what is the meaning of life? Pay attention to that when you don't stifle that. Um, you're not going to be able to answer it right away, but 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 let that be a part of 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 your your day or your week or your month or your years or whatever. Don't lose that. So anyway, so uh, it, it's 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 not forced. It's there's this invitation happening. It's this nudging. There's this. It's kind of a suffering, uh, and and it's and it. I'm not going to lie. It can be very brutal, um, but it's it's really actually going from this disconnected self to this very connected self. So you're actually going through the brutal stuff that you've avoided, like anger and hurt and pain and sadness. And, um, and, and, and you start to realize like you start to enter into this because you realize like life, the way you've operated it, it just stops working the way you've been living it, the way we've been living it. And, uh, and if, if we stop quieting this restlessness or stop quieting, quieting this feeling lost, I do believe it'll lead to fullness. So, um, so anyway, so I, so I grew up in a Christian home, and uh, around ten, I found myself drawn to God. I was at this little play or whatnot, and and I, I put this in quotes, but I accepted Jesus into my heart. And that's kind of the, the the rhetoric that we use. Um, but I really see it as I was I I've started to become awakened to God to this divine presence. And, uh, and then, you know, as I grew up, my connection to the church and others, uh, I went through some, some hurts there and, and disappointments. And, and so my connection, you know, ebbed and flowed. I often, I often felt kind of like nomadic and kind of this vagrant and, and just not really in a home, in a church. I, I tried, and, uh, but I think out of my insecurity and, and I think just feeling like an outsider uh, and really struggling to speak the language that most spoke within the culture just it did not resonate with me for whatever reason I recoiled at it I, I just I couldn't connect to it so uh, and then and then on top of that 
you know, I, I wrestled with, like I hid my, I hid pornography from others, um, out of shame, wrestled with my sexual identity, uh, struggled with OCD and anxiety, depression, internalized rage, self-hatred, self-doubt, consciousness, all this stuff that I'm actually going to talk about in greater, um, uh, in, in, in greater volume in, in later, later episodes down the road. Uh, but also, I also had this intense and obsessive need for love from a woman, just really hungry for that kind of connection, an insecure relational attachment, uh, which led to being very controlling in my first relationship, and then and then cutting myself off from people when I felt hurt, and and I and then I also like I learned to get my relational needs met and and keep relationship by criticizing myself and bringing up the negative in my life and you know, in order to get love from my parents, particularly my mom, I beat myself up and, and, and I talk about my phobias. I developed some, some interesting phobias, which I, I will share down the road. Um, and, and all of this really was just to stay connected and salvage these relationships. It was, there was just an insecurity in, in my relational connection, particularly with my mom, but, but, but really my mom and my dad. And so, uh, and so this is my way of operating in life. So imagine now as an adult, now I'm doing that. And, well, let's just say it didn't work out, and I'll touch on that. But so so now I'm in grad school. I'm fast-forwarding. I'm in grad school, and I'm going through these... I've probably had, I'm going to say, at least a dozen existential crises where I was questioning this path and, um, you know, why am I doing... I'm not intelligent enough. I mean, whenever I'd have to give a presentation, I was ready to just bolt the other way. I mean, I didn't even want to go to drive to, to class. And so I, uh, but, but then I'd have these interesting, um, I was about to burp. Anyway, so I had these interesting, I guess, experiences where there was this nudge to keep walking. There was this encouragement. And then I hit my internship, which when you're married as a family therapist, once you graduate, uh, you you now enter in this in, internship. There's a few steps you have to walk through, but uh, and you have to get three thousand hours, and you have to pass two exams, and um, it's it's intense. And it, for me, the internship was two years after I graduated. But I hit these moments where I started to feel really stuck in my life, and I felt very frustrated. I had no direction. I wasn't even sure I wanted to do this. I hit burnout, and I, I really almost quit. And I, I described this to my colleagues and my supervisor. I said, this is, I feel like I'm pressing the gas pedal and I have the emergency brake on. Like, I, I want to go somewhere, but I, I've got no, I, I don't have a clue where I'm going. So, uh, and, and also at the time, my supervisor wanted to meet one-on-one. -on -one. He invited a session because he wanted to, he noticed that I beat myself up when I would present my cases or whatnot of, of, of clients, and and I'd beat myself up, and I'd just get so frustrated with myself because I didn't understand it and I was missing it, and uh, and yet he also knew that I was really hungry to learn, so we eventually we kind of and I I began to see him off and on in sessions, and we started to explore my wounding with greater depth and clarity, um, how I avoided anger and it directed it towards myself. Down the road, he pointed out that I hated my father. Ugh, that was a moment. I did not want to see that. <laughs> and, uh, and in fact, I eventually, I, I didn't even want to look at that, not in session, but 
Um, but later on, I just kind of I turned away from that, and I just I got you know just feared away, and I got stuck again. But um, but and he confronted me on some of my sticking points, on the judgments I had, uh, how I defended my parents, which really was just to avoid how I felt towards them. Um, on top of this, ex- these experiences, I also I grew really tired of just going to a church service, just like walking in late to to the worship. And, and then listening to a sermon that I never really remembered, and then I would leave. And I was just so hungry uh, just to go in a different lane, beyond the lane I traveled in. And I started to become more drawn towards, I call them experiential gatherings. Some people call them charismatic. I like experiential more. Uh, and, where, and I started to, some of these gatherings, like I learned, I began to learn to hear God's voice, which you think it sounds really weird, but really, it, all it is is asking, God, what do you want to show me? And usually it's like the first thing that pops in your head. You know, I mean, there might be a little bit of sorting through, but, but usually it's like, it can be pretty instant. Or it might be quieting your mind, and then eventually it comes up. Anyway, I don't want to get all weird and mystical here, but um, but I learned to hear his voice. And, and then I remember taking really uncomfortable steps of sharing um, words that, that I believe God would put on my heart to people. We call them prophecy and prophecy is really just speaking to the innermost being of the person their true self and drawing that out um and and giving and and also bringing them out of hiding and speaking to their not shamefully but speaking to their 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 struggles and their issues and seeing them and their pain uh that they realize that they're they're seen and they're felt and they're heard and it's very actually very powerful um, but I began to take these uncomfortable steps, and then I started to gain greater co- uh, confidence. And there was one time where I spoke to this one gentleman. Uh, he was he he took the 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 center stage, and we and and I just had this word for him, and I spoke to him, and uh, you know, and oh man, he broke down and cried, and I mean, he just which was really just um, uh, a sign that that those words were accurate. Um, so I had these moments and then, and then it would just, I'd go back in that stuckness and then I, I think I would try to change my external world. Like, well, I'll just, oh, maybe I'll join a dance class. I've always wanted to do dancing. Well, you know, and which was fine, but it didn't, it didn't curb this, this stuckness. And I thought, well, maybe if I learn more and gain more insight, nope, that didn't even change anything. Like I was, I hated feeling lost and I wanted to get rid of it. Um, and so I, I also recall, I, I shared with my colleagues during my interning one time, we were in this group, and we have moments where we can share, process stuff that's going on in our own life before we talk about clients. Well, I was in tears, and I, I told them, I said, I don't even know who I am anymore. I realized how uh, beating myself up, criticizing myself, um, the, the things I do when I feel depressed, uh, why my depression was even there. It all became a part of my identity growing up and, and, this, and this way of operating in the world and this way of getting needs met. And it became, eventually became very problematic and impotent and it was obstructive. And so I was sharing in tears just how unsettled and scared I was that I, I have no clue who I am apart from this. I have no idea. All I knew is that that stuff wasn't working anymore. So talk about like increasing the unsettled feeling. So... Um, so last year, 
2017 was the year I really started I like rapid growth. I started taking more risks in my life. I entered in the dating world, started to take risks with women, um, which I was terrified to take. Uh, I attended more of experiential church gatherings, and, and, and I would stay in the shadows at these gatherings, like in the outskirts, and people would kind of come to the center to like sing and maybe dance or whatnot. And I would stay in the outskirts and hide in the shadows, and I'd feel so uncomfortable. I, I, would, I would just, everything in me just felt so uncomfortable, and I, and I just didn't want to be around people, and, and yet at the same time, I did want to be around people. It was, it was, it was that kind of double bind thing. But I, I, I hid, and, and then I would judge others. As I was in those shadows, I would judge others who were, you know, worshiping in kind of odd ways, and, you know, but, but reality was, I really wanted that kind of freedom. Maybe not to, like, operate exactly how they operated, but, but it was, it was the meaning behind it. It was what it symbolized, which was freedom. And I wanted that. So eventually months happened and I got tired of being stuck in the shadows and I started to move into the center of the worship gathering. Like it was, again, this is all really enigmatic. I just, I got tired. I got frustrated of being stuck and and hiding. So I moved to the center of the worship gathering. And I had this crippling, felt, went through these crippling insecurities. And in the middle of it, I could feel my body just flush with discomfort. But also this, at the same time, this kind of this proudness and this desire to be seen. Ooh, maybe like, are there cute girls that are looking at me or whatnot? But, uh, but yeah, so it was, it was this interesting pairing that happened internally for me. And then eventually it led to me actually, like, I don't have the best voice. I can carry a tune kind of. But it led to me, because uh, we were allowed to, to take the microphone and maybe sing or invite people up to healing or whatnot in this con- in this gathering. But I, I eventually, like, this song came on my heart that, that was, it wasn't a song that was pre-written. It just started to surface. And, I, and then I started to take risks singing. And then, and then, and then dancing. Like, I, I think there was one time where 30 minutes I was just, dancing like crazy and I felt so free uh it was just it was incredible and and people it was cool to watch people impacted by what God was doing and moving through me and 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 taking these bold moves like people really being impacted probably even beyond what I could even understand but it was so neat and uh and then on top of that keep adding more to this where there these these moments alone and and I would sometimes have the house to myself. And so I felt, in those moments, I felt this visceral, like, guttural nudge to, to spend my time with God, uh, just just alone time, uh, dancing and singing. And, oh my, I hated it. I hated it in the beginning. I felt so uncomfortable. And and I was alone. But I felt I felt so, so uncomfortable as if, I was in front of a crowd of people, but I was alone, I think, with God as well. But, um, but the reason why is because he was blocking this defense of introspection. You know, my, my defense was to just go inside myself um, and just look over everything and try to figure things out. And it was often imbued with self-hatred and criticism. And, and so he was literally stopping me from doing that, that I, I had. And I fought that. I mean, I fought that because when I was in the midst of like dancing or singing and whatnot, I would want to go right back into, no, I got to look at this problem. I've got to look at it. And, uh, and so it was, 
it was just really, really, uh, yeah, just, it was odd. Um, but it also revealed my injured ways of dealing with pain. And so, yeah, so I'd turn off the lights, light candles, do some dancing. And, uh, and, 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 and in those moments and in those, in those months to come, more deep pain from childhood would come up, um, stuff that I didn't quite, maybe quite understand. I also felt such intense loneliness and anger and frustration and this, oh, this yearning to be connected with people. Uh, and I felt it so intensely, but I, I would step into it. I wouldn't run away from it. I wouldn't try to dismantle it with thoughts, even though sometimes I'd try. But I would, I would, how oh, I'd fight with all my being to stay present and just feel it. And I would just, there are times where I just would weep and weep or get really angry. And, and, and the stuff that would come out, like come up, like even like racist stuff would come up in me. Oh man, and I would just, I would just, express that to God, I would not hide that, even though I felt really uncomfortable. Um, and, and it l would then eventually lead to bursts of creativity. Um, not races. I was, now I'm, now I'm thinking <laughs> it was more like prejudice stuff. But anyway, um, for those who are now, um, uncomfortable with that, which was just me by sharing that anyway. So, so, but it led to bursts of creativity. And I began to write and and um, play music and and this and, and this understanding of life was now changing. I developed greater insights into this world, um, but but I went through this really intense restlessness. I, I would feel very stuck, and I would try to figure it out. I I would I there would also be these I would encounter these frantic attempts to get out of this place, and and that. I mean, there's moments where I'm still kind of there, but it's not as intense as it was last year. So recently, I was talking with my therapist about these changes, and he was talking about how I'm on that road less traveled. I'm, I'm now going to be considered heretical, which I'm kind of okay with. I am okay with it. But I, talked to, I told him how I feel more at peace, I feel less stress, how my life plays out. And I have this greater creativity. I mean, music, writing, this podcast. And then uh, um, two days late, excuse me, two days later, something powerful happened. Uh, I was looking at Genesis chapter 3, and, and I started to see uh, just this very different perspective, how God was inviting us out of shame and into intimacy, um, how Jesus' death was not to block God's wrath, uh, but a vulnerable outpouring of love and, and this clearest invitation back into intimacy and, uh, and, and how I've lived this life trying to force reconnecting with him or trying to do what's right and avoid the wrong. And I think most of us experience that. And as I went through that, I had, I, and I had this, the oddest experience and I felt totally alive. I didn't feel any shame uh, I realized how connected I was to him in life. I began to see the problems either I had or the problems I've encountered with others and the disorders we wrestle with in a whole new way. Um, he began to show me things about sexuality and gender and other, maybe, um, and then, like, say, other issues we find ourselves entrenched in, how they're all rooted in connection and or disconnection. And I felt this inconceivable peace within and, uh, and I, I did, I put on my instrumental dance music and, and I, I was moved to tears for the next three days off and on. I would dance, 
uh, I mean, I, I kept saying I was, I'm free. And, and I felt this joy. And I mean, off and on, just, just hit just with tears. So moved, so amazed. Uh, and it was almost like kind of those like really cheeky, cheesy movies where two lovers meet for the first time and they, and, uh, they kiss and, you know, and then the musical breaks out and it's this fantastical experience and they're, you know, they're just, you know, birds are flying, cartoon birds, flowers blooming just out of nowhere instantaneously. I mean, that's, that's what I can liken it to. Like life took on a whole different perspective. I mean, I upgraded, you know, upgraded to a, a, a more quality computer, more quality TV. I mean, just the, the, the picture, the sound, the, the color, it was, it was beyond what I had experienced. And, but it really, a lot of this was this, all of it was this building up in these, these few years of, of some of the most loneliest, emptiest, neediest, disquieting, severely painful and scary times. And it began to make more sense. Uh, the Beatitudes began to make more sense to me. It was this necessary process of becoming and living out of that true self and, and, and becoming deeply rooted in that connection with God. And I have no clue what this journey holds from now on. I don't, I don't know what this is going to generate. Um, but it really is exciting and mysterious. I mean, I, I don't want to veer into the future. I do. But I want to be so present-focused and indulge in the now, whether it's I'm resting or doing nothing, or I'm doing music or I'm hanging out with friends, that, that everything has a sacredness and a meaningness, meaningfulness to it. Um, and, and there's also this, this bursting desire to share these overflowing insights into the human heart, which includes my own struggles. So I'm going to open up a lot, and, uh, and, and, and because I want... I want it to have impact, and I want people to experience life, to experience God's presence, to know that like how He's been portrayed by Christians is is uh, is been so misconstrued. misconstrued. Um, it's been so shameful and wrathful, and it's and that is not God. So I hope that this has impact to you, um, and and also I leave on this that may you listen to that nudge. That, that is drawing you that restlessness, that that empty that emptiness. May it may it draw you. May you listen to that. Not try to figure it out. I mean, you're gonna try to, but you're gonna get stuck, and that's okay. But may you um, may you draw into it. May you encounter it. May you embrace it. Uh, and, and and I mean even the anger, the sadness, the despair, the enjoyment, the excitement, the arousal, all of it. That, that you listen to that because it's drawing you, I believe, it's drawing you into greater life and greater love, of which we are all truly yearning. Take care, my friends.